A young democracy mobilizes its citizens in its defense. The numerically superior forces of authoritarian neighbors menace its borders. The very survival of a people is at stake. You might think, when considering the present travails of Ukraine, that Israelis with memories reaching back to 1967 and 1973 might perceive something broadly familiar about the scenario. In the morning, the Israeli Air Force lends much-needed air support. Among those who do think exactly this is Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky. Not for the first time since Russia launched its full-scale assault upon his country on February 24th, Zelensky has lit into Israel over its obdurate refusal thus far to lend its considerable military capacities to Ukraine's fight. In particular, Zelensky seeks delivery of Israel's Iron Dome interceptor missiles, a defensive surface-to-air contraption which Israel has deployed with formidable success in recent years to pick off rockets fired out of Gaza by Palestinian militant groups. Zelensky believes that Iron Dome could be similarly useful against the Iranian-built Shahed-136 drones recently deployed by Russia against Ukrainian cities. Zelensky reiterated this grievance on Monday via video link to a conference organized by Israeli newspaper Haaretz. This plea did not shift Israel's government. Israel's defense minister, Benny Gantz, confirmed to his Ukrainian counterpart, Alexei Reznikov, that Israel would not be shipping any weapon systems to Ukraine. All of which prompts the question, why not? Israel is not in favor of Russia's attack on Ukraine. Israel's leaders condemned Russia's assault in February, and Israel has voted in favor of this year's United Nations General Assembly resolutions expressing similar sentiments. But there is a gulf between being against something in principle and doing anything about it in practice, and it is a gulf which Israel has been disinclined to cross. It is probably necessary at this point to dust off the enduring diplomatic wisdom of 19th century British Prime Minister Lord Palmerston, usually paraphrased to the effect that nations have no eternal allies or eternal enemies, only eternal interests. Israel's chief eternal interest is its security, about which it has more immediate and, certainly as Israel sees it, more existential concerns than most states. Right at the moment, some sort of relationship with Russia is important to Israel's security. It is generally assumed that Russia's present dominance of Syria is of assistance to Israel as it wages an air campaign against Iran-supported elements at large amid Syria's continuing chaos. Israel has carried out hundreds of airstrikes inside Syria over the last decade or so, including, in recent months, raids on the airports of Damascus and Aleppo. This would be more difficult without Russian acquiescence, perhaps even outright Russian cooperation. And slash but, some Israeli security boffins have suggested that Israel is also concerned about the prospect, in the event of Ukrainian reverses, of Israeli technology falling into the hands of Russia, and thence, perhaps, into the hands of Iran. 
Furthermore, while it may seem, and doubtless is, tawdry and wretched to suborn another nation's struggle for survival to one's workaday domestic political concerns, governments, just like nations, have eternal interests, one eternal interest in particular, staying in power. For the fifth time in less than four years, and polls released Tuesday predict that the right-wing bloc led by former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu would garner anywhere from 59 to 60 seats in the Knesset. Israelis vote in a general election next Tuesday, their fifth in a little over three years. It will be a close-run thing, as Israeli elections usually are. Any government that results will be an unwieldy coalition of riotously disparate and divergent parties. And Israel's Russian-speaking constituency is huge, perhaps 15% of the population. This bloc does not think or vote as a monolith, not least this time round because roughly a third of it traces its descent to Ukraine, and many of those who trace their descent to Russia may well have mixed feelings about Russia, which is why they're in Israel. But this could explain why Israel's present government has decided it is best off declining to explicitly pick a side, at least for the moment. President Zelensky's case is that this is not merely morally abject, but strategically short-sighted. A characteristic of Zelensky's virtual world tour of recent months has been his careful calibration of his speeches to local concerns and sentiments. His address on Monday made a couple of astute appeals to Israel's traditionally hard-headed assessments of its diplomatic and strategic priorities. He noted that Russia was becoming a diminished and less reliable presence in Syria, as more and more of Russia's military gets smashed up in Ukraine, and also pointed out that any increasing closeness of Russia and Iran is potentially a poor outlook for Israel, given Russia's undoubted nuclear expertise and Iran's ambiguous nuclear ambitions. And yet, last Friday night, Israel bombed Dimas military airport in the vicinity of Damascus. One apparent target was equipment used to manufacture Iranian drones. Israel certainly understands Ukraine's predicament, even if it does not, at present, seem much minded to help. For Monocle 24, I'm Andrew Muller.